Are we having a party here? I don't know. Abolishing profits. BSC industry experts share strategies for growing a thriving cleaning company. Welcome to the Janitorial Growth Alliance party. Is that right? Are we having a party here? I don't know. We are. We have a party every time we meet. Yeah, that's right. Wait till you guys all start seeing the behind the scenes stuff we're going to start recording. That'll be real <laughs> Anyway, we're going to talk today, have a, a discussion about the walkthrough process, why it's vital, why it's often ignored to the detriment of the people doing it. And the other side is, does every account deserve a walkthrough with the questions and the things that we're going to talk about? Think about it this way. Is everything deep dive review? worthy. And Ed, I'm going to have you talk about that briefly because we were just talking about that before we turned the cameras on and we thought it was an excellent point. And we're going to talk really how to do a correct walkthrough. Some of you are going to know this stuff. Great. If you're using it, good. If you're not, pay attention and rethink it. And those of you that don't know, some great information here. Between the three of us, we've done this 140 years and none of us are that old. I would say maybe me, but that I don't we, know. That we admit to. <laughs> that we admit to. All right, Ed, when, when's an account deep dive walkthrough worthy where you look at the whole building, you ask psychological questions, you look at all the different ways to get it clean and all the things that are going on. So talk about the good account and the bad account and what deserves a deep dive walkthrough. Well, you know, one of the most obvious things is good accounts don't go to Google. <laughs> to try and find somebody to bid. They just don't. Okay. Good accounts walk up to the receptionist office and say, listen, in that drawer, there's 500 cleaning service business cards. Grab one. Okay. So that's number one. All right. <laughs> that's number one. Now, the rest of it is, you know, it's smart to categorize accounts because one of the things is how much time, which is money, how much time do I put into chasing these people? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not going to bust my ass for five years trying to get a, a, you know, some fish restaurant. It's like, ugh, you know, not going to do it. So we've got to have in our mind, what is the criteria for a good account? And what's the criteria for a medium account? And what's the criteria for a bad account? Okay. Hopefully folks will grow to a point where they're no longer looking for anything but the good accounts. That right. was a nice place to be. Right. That was a nice place to be because there was a time where you didn't have any uh, there was no options. It's kind of like, wait a minute, they want cleaning? Okay, boom, done. You yeah, know, we'll take it no matter what. Toilet, if they have a toilet, we'll take them. We'll take you it, know? yeah. You know, okay, but you know, as the business grows and as the business changes, that's one of the changes. Is that we're no, we're no longer dealing with you know the C level accounts. You know, we're going to concentrate on A and B accounts, and we're going to leave the C accounts alone. Okay, not a smart thing to do if you're a startup, though. Right. Startups are a whole different category. They have to take what they can get. Yeah. And yeah. what we're going to talk about in the next few series, you know, on a 5,000 square foot account with 15 people, I doubt it. Now, unless you're very brand new to it, you need to learn the process. But the things that we're talking about are in those 
A and B type accounts where you've got heavy competition that really knows what they're doing. Uh And you've got to have it right down to the 10th of an hour to be competitive. Sharon? Yeah. As you're growing and we're taught, we talked about everybody taking every account that comes your way in the beginning, but part of your marketing strategy is to develop a list of maybe five types of offices. Maybe it's multiple attorney's offices. Maybe it's medical. Maybe it's dental. Maybe it's warehouse, industrial types of accounts that you want to pursue. One of the things that I see often on Facebook now, where there's so much conversation going on, not a lot of it good, but what what we do see often is people who are, as we become more digitally engaged, they are trying to do away with the walkthrough. They aren't seeing the value of it and what role it plays in the whole sales process. They just don't get that. They want to give a quote over the phone. We charge so many cents per square foot. And that whole strategy about cents per square foot is so skewed because it only works in certain kinds of accounts. That formula does not work in every kind of account. So Doing that walkthrough has so many more benefits than just getting the physical information about the building. And we're going to talk a lot about where that fits in that sales process, because it's a key element to selling. You're selling yourself. It's your one shot. Your first impression can make or break your opportunity to be looked upon favorably by that prospect. So it's dress for success, find out where, where your pain points are. It's, there's so many reasons to do a really good walkthrough and it doesn't have to be a deep dive. If it's a smaller account, do stick with the basics. Yeah. The amount of time and effort is really equal to the complexity of the account and the size. Exactly. So in looking at our outline, where does the walkthrough fit in the sales process? And just to get the conversation started, it's basically in the middle of the process. You've been marketing, you've been calling, you've dropped in and whatever your marketing is. We talk about that on a whole different set of series. But wherever you are, there's been contact made. You've made enough of impression to get an invitation. So there's all this work that goes prior to following up on this. Well, you know, a good way to look at it is it's your first date. Yeah, right. It's a first date, you know? I mean, it's the first time that you're going to meet face-to-face and spend a few minutes together. It's your first date. Right, right. And, And I've always encouraged, and my philosophy was to get on that first date as fast as you can. I mean, because somebody is right on your heels, they're going to be there before you. So you've got that first opportunity to make a good impression and for people to think you really want this business. If you want this business, you're going to show up and you're going to show up quickly, not waiting four days, five days, whatever. Now, there might be time constraints for your prospect. They may not be able to see you till next week. That's fine. But you want to be there and as fast as you can. Yeah, or at least before, you know, your competitor gets to third base anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's a, 
I'll throw a little bit of seasoning on that. If you call up somebody, this is from my experience in talking to clients, and you guys may or may not concur, but if I call somebody and they say, yeah, we're taking bids this week, come on in and give me a bid. I'm telling you, you're the last in line because all the other bids in front of you, they have been in that process, that pre-walkthrough process before you. They've had that first date, that second date. They know who these companies are. They've been out and looked at their website. They've done a little due diligence. You know, the buyer doesn't have to hear from the salespeople anymore. They can do all their due diligence by going out to the website, finding out who you are, what you offer, how you're set up, your mission. We can go on. But so they're ready. So if you go, oh, boy, I've got a bid and I'm going to win it, you better rethink it. Because if you just got invited and they're walking this week, you're the last one in line. So you have to take that into consideration. That's my thinking on this right. process. Well, and yeah. to your point, Mark, the due diligence that the prospect is doing about you, it behooves the contractor to do the same due diligence about that company. You need to go in there knowing, did they just win an award for something? Have they just broken ground on a new facility? What's going on with this company? So when you are face-to-face, -face, you can speak intelligently like you did your homework. Right. And then that, well, you're talking, when you get into the larger accounts, and we can argue where that goes, but I'll say 10000 a month and up, they've already done an RFI on you, request for yeah. information. Okay, a request for quotation, whichever one of those two words you want to use before they ask for the bid, the RFP. So they already know, they've already shortlisted through this C. And if you don't think there isn't a C of people competing for cleaning, just go Google how many cleaners are in your area and you'll find out how many cleaning companies. And I did one here in Pierce County, we're up by Seattle. There's 1,200. Mm hmm. Now, that's everything from a mop and bucket. They only clean one all the way up to people doing multinational accounts and big plants. But so you have to have your company positioned in a way that you look like you know what you're doing and you're sharp in that walkthrough and you're asking questions. And, you know, they get a good sense that you know what you're doing through the questions you ask. But a lot of times the big ones require pre-qualification. I think both you guys would, I don't know how many of those things I filled out over the years, thousands, yeah. the RFIs, requests for information. So the bigger the player and the more the spend, the more they're going to look deep into what your competencies, mm -hmm. your core competencies are and your ability to deliver right. on those competencies. So the walkthrough has a lot, I get, well, to say, sum it up, the walkthrough has got a lot of different stages. And back to Ed's A, B, C, D accounts, where is this account, you know, in that stage and how much time, Ed, you made a really good point. I like, how much time do you put into this and what are you chasing? Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the overview of the walkthrough for a minute. Sharon, you did the map, so I'll let you launch down the trail. <laughs> Well, I think there are two main goals and strategies with the walkthrough. One, of course, is to gather information and get your technical information and specifics about the building and the scope of work. That's basic information that you need to put together a competitive proposal and one that you'll make money at, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second piece of that is the relationship building. 
your part of your job during the walkthrough is to instill trust and demonstrate your competency in what you're doing. And that part of that is coming up with a cleaning plan. Oftentimes they'll have us, the prospect will have a scope of work, but they are open to suggestions. Perhaps it's a five night a week account. They may not need dusting every night, although they think they do. So you can sound like the professional who knows what they're doing by helping alter that scope of work or giving them other suggestions for the scope of work. Keeping that professionalism at all times. One of the things that the prospect is looking for is your expertise. And that really needs to come through loud and clear during that walkthrough. An example, we had a landscape company come to our home not too long ago, and we were redoing the front of the house. We asked, what should we put here? The gentleman's response was, well, what plants do you want to put there? Okay. I don't know that. I'm calling you. I'm asking you come up with the design. I'm not a landscape designer and I'm looking to the professional for expertise. What do I put here? Same thing with when you're doing the walkthrough. You're the professional. You may have to come up with the scope of work yourself. Some companies don't have one and they'll want you, but what you want to make sure if you write the scope of work, that everybody is bidding on the same scope of work. So if they have four people submitting proposals, everybody's not doing a proposal on something different. So there are all kinds of opportunities for you to build that trust. And Can I throw something in? Yes. One thing that that served me well was when there's kind of like a one of these group settings, you know, where everybody's yeah. in the conference room. Okay. I saw something that, you know, in the early, when I first started, that just really made an impression on me. And it was a fellow that came in from one of the big companies, one of the giant companies. And before he sat down, he went to each and every person, handed him a card and introduced himself. Well, and there's two kinds of walkthroughs to your point, Ed. Sharon, you're talking about where the client's doing one-on-one. They're small right, enough right. to invite you and go through. Ed's right. just flipped the script, and now it's probably a very large account, and there's multiple people, and they have to do it all at once. They're on the Everybody's got to get the same information here, the same questions. There's right. a whole different methodology to their purchasing and qualification process. Right. So there you don't get the chance to be the expert. There you've got to shine above the rest. And we could talk for 30, 40 minutes just on Ed started the conversation. Well, here's the guy that come. And I remember those guys, Ed, when I first started the big walkthroughs, they come in, introduce themselves to everybody. They fear nothing. Right. You know, they introduce yeah. themselves to everybody. They understand we're all here. Somebody's going to win. And uh, they just stand out heads and tails. And the buyers notice those sort of things. Yeah, who is confident in their company, and that's a whole nother discussion. How to deal with a group walkthrough—it's very, I mean, very specialized. You really need to know what you're doing, and you really need to have read that RFP so you don't ask stupid questions. Oh, I love. It. <laughs> I had a client the other day. They had an RFP. What? How many days a week is this? Yeah, they had an RFP and it was rather large one. And he said, well, how do I prepare? And I said, read the RFP. I said, you want to look like the village idiot 
go in and ask something that's answered that's, in there. that's been answered in those 50 pages. And yes. you'll have five or six contractors say, that's already been answered. Can we move on to something more important? Yes. So part of a good walkthrough in that thing is understanding and highlighting what is in there. Now we go back to your ideas. What are things that I'm not seeing? What are things that we should have answered? And that can put you heads and tails above competition asking smarter questions, mm -hmm. not the ones that have already been answered. So now, now we've drifted off. We've chased the rabbit down the hole on group walks. Yes. But, but those are usually larger accounts. Those people are spending, you know, 10,000 and up on. Yeah. Those. It, from my perspective, they're spending 10,000 because they're, they're yeah. sophisticated buyers. You're talking FMs. BMs, building managers, professional people, directors, VPs of accounts. They understand the business as well as we do. Right. So that's, that's a whole, a whole separate podcast. That's a whole separate podcast. So guys, before we wrap up here, I see we're just approaching the happy hour. How do we tie this all together? If somebody listened to this, what's the one thing y'all wanted them to take out of this? The scrub down, a recap of what was covered on today's episode. I think the walkthrough is key. I think the, of the two particular parts of the walkthrough, I think the relationship building is the most important. Getting the information is secondary. And that's my two cents. The relationship is key. I would agree. I would absolutely agree with with Sharon 100%. You know, it, it really is the first date. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. so if we're going to use the first date analogy, I would say I would agree with both of you. I would add that building the relationship this day always isn't done one-to-one. -one. It is done through your website, through your advertising, your marketing speaks for you. People want to see these things. And it's like the dating app, if I can use it's dating example, you know, swipe left, swipe right. But as they go through and look at people's websites, the buyer is more sophisticated today than they've ever been. And they expect to find information prior to inviting. Now, this is larger accounts. Again, yeah. we're depending. We don't know who our audience is or who listens to this. So we try to cover a little bit of everything for everyone. But basically, how does your dating app look? You know, what information do you have out? How are you going to? provide solutions? Why are you the best choice? How do you differ from your competition? Don't use me too marketing. I mean, oh my gosh, we review websites and it's just the only thing difference, the name. All right. I mean, it's, well, you know, one other point is to show a professional, you know, when I mm -hmm. see people come in with, you know, ripped up t-shirts and uh, sneakers and uh, you know, it's just a turnoff. I mean, it's that first impression. And if that first impression is that, you know, you should be laying on a bar floor somewhere unconscious. Well, back when we did walkthroughs, it was all suit and ties. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you yeah. were successful, you better have a good suit, soap tie. I mean, it was the whole, we've gone casual society. I can't speak to back east. I know more about out here, you know, west of the Mississippi. It's gone very casual. And you get out here on the left coast, but you can't look non-professional there's mm -hmm. business casual you set the tone with how you're dressed it's a first impression mm -hmm. thing. and people say that doesn't work anymore i beg to differ yeah me too yeah, people come out to my house and they're not dressed in suit and ties but the you know the people that have the sharp 
crew t-shirts on or the shark polo shirts with the logo. They've got yeah. these, and even if they're working, they at least threw a different pair of slacks in to come into the house to talk to me about the service. Mm-hmm. You can tell who's running a business and who's just got a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're down at that level. All right, guys, All right. I think we're good. So we'll see you next go round, the next party. Okay. Sounds good. Somebody will probably tell us to smile more if it's a party, but nah. <laughs> we have to think too hard doing this. We're old. <laughs> anyway, audience. Bye.